Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Freed Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this episode, I'm going to be diving into the question about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Um, often we hear this as a part of a debate between Calvinists and Reformed and non-Reformed and non-Calvinists and anti-Calvinists and, and all the like. And, and lots of people say lots of things on, on both sides. Um, and so I wanted to actually go through a bunch of the, the exegetical research and try to clear up some of the fog. And then at the very end, I'm going to come back and I'm going to rehash some of the comments that I had made during my opening statement uh, with Dan Chapa in dealing with libertarian freedom. And I'm going to show why even if the Calvinist, even if the Reformed person grants, <coughs> although I don't think there is reason to do so, even if they grant the, arg- the exegetical argument from the non-Calvinist, that, hard- that Pharaoh hardened his heart first, it doesn't actually get them what they want uh, in, the de- in the debate and the argument that actually matters about the nature of the will and God's, uh, God's sovereign decree and determining uh, causation. So with that, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode, uh, and we will dive right in here in a moment. Enjoy the show. In these discussions about Reformed theology and Calvinism and non-Calvinism, the person of Pharaoh often comes up. This is because in Romans 9, we are told some interesting things about about Pharaoh. Um, So we we are told, for example, that God raised him up uh, for the very purpose uh, that that he was put in place for. So we read uh, in in Romans uh, 9, starting in verse uh, 14, what shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? Far from it. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy, and I will show compassion to whomever I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the person who wants it, nor the person who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very reason, I raised you up in order to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires, end quote. So a lot of this, uh, a lot of this issue comes up in discussions between uh, the different views, and it relates to uh, the nature of freedom and responsibility, determinism, uh, and so on and so forth. So I'm not going to go full bore into that. At the end of this, I am going to discuss <clears throat> why, um, uh, why even even if we even if the reform person grants the non-reform reading of uh, the Exodus cycle uh, dealing with Pharaoh and the hardening of his heart doesn't actually get them what they want, and I'll and I'll show why that doesn't even resolve the issue for libertarian freedom. But I want to go through. I, I'm just you know you know I, I kept hearing oh God hardens his heart first and Pharaoh hardens his heart first and and uh, and it's judicial hardening and on and on and on and on. So I wanted to go through with uh, with you and walk through all of the mentions in Exodus when the hardening of heart uh, of Pharaoh's heart is mentioned. And we're just going to go through those in order. And I will say from the get-go um, that it's kind of up in the air 
which one goes first. It's going to depend on how you how you understand the relationship between a couple of God's promises and the first instances of God uh, of Pharaoh's hardening. Uh, and then I'll talk about what that means. So I'm going to go through, I'll actually, I'll put this image in the show notes, um, but I will go through and I'll show all the times that we are expressly told that God either promises to act to harden uh, Pharaoh's heart, or he actually does harden Pharaoh's heart. We're told expressly that he hardens Pharaoh's heart, uh, or where Pharaoh is the one that's hardening his own heart, or the cases where Pharaoh's hard heart are ambiguous and uh, and I'll and I'll say why they're ambiguous um, and 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 what that means okay so the the first mention that we get of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is all the way back in Exodus 4 it actually shows up in 421 uh, and in 421 God promises that he will harden the heart of Pharaoh this is an active active voice promise God says he will harden his heart. And the outcome is so that he will not let the people people go. That's in 421. Now, in chapter, we, we don't get another mention of it until chapter 7. And in 7.3, we basically get the reiter- reiteration of this promise. God promises again in the active voice that he will harden uh, Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let his people go. Uh, that's in 7.3. Uh, in 7.10, Moses delivers the, the very first command to Pharaoh to let the people go, and it's accompanied by the sign of the staff. We then get in 7.13, uh, by the way, uh, many many of these um, of these references will, will say something like, um, as the Lord said to Moses, or as the Lord had promised, um, or just as the Lord had said, or something along those lines, and I'll, and I'll call that out. So in 7.13, we get this statement that Pharaoh's heart is hardened, um, or Pharaoh's heart was hardened, if you, if you read it that way. And, and the language is ambiguous. It's that the, 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 it was hardened, as in just, it's, it's stating in the past tense the state of the heart. It's, it's just a mere description stating that the heart was in a state of being hard, of being hardened. Or it could be read as a passive statement about the process. The, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So it, it, it was the, the passive uh, object of the verb to harden. Now, um, I will, I'm going to say this from the get-go, um, that the language here is actually, in most of these ambiguous cases... Um, it is too ambiguous <laughs> to be, uh, to be, uh, certain either way, right? So the, the dominant root verbs that are there, uh, when they are in the cow, in, in the cow stem in, in the Hebrew, there's these different verbal stems when they're in the cow stem, it's most likely a description of the state of the heart. It's not a description of the process. When it's in the pael or the hifil, the causative stems, then it most likely is describing the process of either Pharaoh or Yahweh hardening the heart. Okay, so so um, so in this in this instance uh, of where it just just these kind of um, ambiguous statements of Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It's most likely exegetically describing the mere description of the state of the heart. Now, I've actually had some movement on my view of this. I used to think this was actually a passive, uh, a passive voice thing that is describing the actual passive reception of the verb. There is a great paper by Matthew McAfee called The Heart of Pharaoh in Exodus 4 through 15, um, where I think he just exegetically proves that that is not the case. Um, and I'm convinced by that argument. Um, and so uh, I think that this that the 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 form of this is actually just describing the state. Now I will say why I don't think that actually matters, um, and why I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna state which one's ambiguous, and then I'm gonna get to two very clear examples that use this same ambiguous language, but it's clear um, that it's causative. 
Uh, and so then I'm going to work back to these original uh, two instances. Uh, and, and so we're going to circle back to these, these original two instances because these are actually the linchpin of the argument. Okay, so we have two promises uh, that God's going to harden his heart in 4.21 and 7.3. Uh, we have the first command to let the people go with this uh, description of Pharaoh's heart being hardened in 7.13. Uh, it then says, uh, God says that Pharaoh's heart has been hardened. That's actually not a verb. That, that's actually a noun and an adjective. Uh, it's, it's basically Pharaoh's hardened heart. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, Hebrew sometimes misses uh, verbs where we would want them. Um, but it, 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 basically, God says Pharaoh's heart has been hardened and announces that the first plague is coming. We're then told again in this ambiguous way, Pharaoh's heart was hardened in 722. Uh, so we have, so again, we have uh, the first, so we have two promises that God will harden Pharaoh's heart. And then we have two of these ambiguous cases in 713 and 722, where Pharaoh's heart is hardened uh, or was hardened. Uh, we then have the second plague of the frogs. Pharaoh repents and begs for relief. God relents. That's uh, the early part of chapter 8. And then we have the first instance where Pharaoh hardens his own heart. So Pharaoh sees the relief from the second plague, and he hardens his own heart in 8.15. By the way, the first two ambiguous cases in 7.13 and 22 and this first hardening uh, of his own heart, these are said to be uh, as the Lord uh, had said, or just as the Lord had promised, or just as the Lord had said to Moses, some, you know, some iteration of that. Uh, we then have the third plague of the gnats. The magicians fail to reproduce it, and they say it's the finger of God. This is 816 to 19a. Uh, and then we have another ambiguous, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Uh, again, this is a possible passive or mere description, although again, probably in the description, in the, in the stative form, it, it's the state of Pharaoh's heart as a description in 18, uh, sorry, in 819b. Um, and again, that is said to be uh, just as the Lord had said. We then have the fourth plague of the of the flies. Pharaoh then repents, says the people can go, and God relents in 820 to 31. And then here's another example. Pharaoh sees the relief from the fourth plague and hardens his own heart. Uh, here, the just as the Lord had said is missing from this. Um, in, in the fifth plague, uh, we then see the fifth plague of the livestock, the blight of the livestock, the death of the livestock in 9, 1 through 6. Uh, and then we have another stative or, or description of the state of the heart of Pharaoh's heart was hardened in 9.7. Again, missing that this is as the Lord had said. Uh, we then have in 9.8 through 11, we have the sixth plague of the boils. Uh, we then have a direct statement in 9.12 that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And this does come with the just as the Lord had said. Um, so this is this uh, this is the first express statement that the Lord hardened uh, Pharaoh's heart. We then have the seventh plague of the hail. Pharaoh repents and God relents. This is uh, about the, you know the the large middle section. Uh, of chapter nine. Uh, and then we have Pharaoh seeing the relief from the seventh plague and hardening his own heart in 934. Again, this is missing. This is this does not have the, the clause that it was just as the Lord had said. But then in verse 35, we have the, the stative, again, the description clause of Pharaoh's heart was hardened in verse 35. And this does have uh, the, the just as the Lord had said. And we're going to come back. This is the really, that's actually that, that verse uh, 935 is a very, very important verse to understanding these other instances. So we'll come back to that, but I just want to get through the instances. Uh, then in verse 20, uh, God takes credit for the hardening of Pharaoh's heart and the hearts of the servants for the purpose of showing his signs so that Israel's children will know uh, that he is the Lord. That's 10, 1 through 12. Uh, this section, this 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 hinge section, 9, 34, 35, and 10, 1 through 2, again, is going to be very, very important both in previous texts and in later texts, and we'll talk about why. We then get the eighth plague. By the way, every instance following this is the Lord hardening Pharaoh's heart. 
Um, so with the exception of one more stative. Um, so God, uh, uh, we, we have, sorry, the eighth plague of the locusts, uh, Pharaoh repents and God relents in 10, three through 19. The Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart in 10, 20. Again, that is missing that it was uh, by what the Lord had said previously. The ninth plague of darkness happens. Pharaoh doesn't repent. Uh, the negotiations, he starts to kind of say, fine, go. Moses tries to negotiate. That actually kind of torpedoes uh, Pharaoh's uh, letting them go. The negotiations fail. They're not allowed to go. That's 10, 21 to 26. The Lord again hardens Pharaoh's heart uh, in 10, 27. And again, that's missing, just as the Lord had said. Uh, the 10th plague is announced in 11, 1 through 9, that, that it's coming. Uh, in 11.10, the Lord uh, hardens Pharaoh's heart again. And again, that's missing, that it was just as the Lord had said. Uh, we then get this very long section uh, up through 14, uh, so, you know, starting in 12.1, up through 14.3 of the Passover preparations, the, the 10th plague of the death of the firstborn, the preparations to leave Egypt, right? Pharaoh gives them permission, the preparations to leave, the exodus out of Egypt, and then they start the crossing of the Red Sea up through 14. Three, then in 14.4, we get another time where God promises that he will harden his heart. Again, it's an active voice, and we're told so that he will have glory over Pharaoh. That's again 14.4. We then get one more of these ambiguous or stative ones, except here it's about Pharaoh and his servants, and they have a change of heart or mind toward Israel uh, to set uh, to, to set, you know, get their military ready and, and to pursue her. Uh, that's in 14.4, uh, sorry, in 14.5. We'll talk about that here in just a second. And then again, we have the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart in 14.8. And then again, uh, the Lord promises to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will pursue Israel into the sea and God will gain glory over Egypt and Pharaoh in 14.17. And we see that they do so. Okay. That's all the instances. Now, I'm going to step back for a second and say the reason why, and they're not technically wrong, the non-Calvinists will typically look at this and say, oh, Pharaoh hardens his heart first, and then God hardens Pharaoh's heart in response. Now, the reason why they're not technically wrong is because, remember we said we had two promises and then we have two of these ambiguous or stative or descriptions of Pharaoh's heart being hardened. And the first instance that we have, so the first instance that we have where it expressly states some the the not just the object the heart as the object of the hardening, but now we have the subject doing the hardening is in 8.15 where Pharaoh hardens his own heart. That's the first case where we have the subject of the verb expressly mentioned, and it is Pharaoh. You then get Pharaoh again in 8.32. You don't get the Lord expressly until 9.12. Pharaoh again in 9.34. And then from there, every instance of the hardening is, uh, is God. Okay, so they're technically right when they say, Pharaoh, we're told that Pharaoh hardened his heart before we're told that God hardened his heart. Now, why do I think that that's only technically right, but actually trivially not important? Let's look back at uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of work from the middle to the end and then go to the into the beginning. Normally we don't do this exegetically, but I, I but th this is actually important to do it this way. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll explain why. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that we take later concepts and interpret earlier ones, although we don't always not do that. But typically, exegetically, you want to follow the flow of the argument. But in here, when we're talking about how the author is using a certain construction, sometimes it is helpful to go to later, clearer examples and then go to previous examples to, to show how he's using it that way. That's what I'm doing here. Okay, so in that middle section, 
where we see uh, very, very quickly in rapid fire. Uh, we see the Lord hardens uh, Pharaoh's heart in 912. We see Pharaoh sees the relief, hardens his own heart in 934. We have that stative or ambiguous or descriptive case in 935. And then we have God taking credit for that hardening in 10, 1 through 2. Okay, what do, what do, we, what do we do with this now? First of all, that stative description, that ambiguous description, it is almost certainly... A, a, a description of the state of Pharaoh's heart, but that doesn't mean that we don't know that the prior agent, the prior person that we have, the active, the active agent, isn't the cause. So in 935, when we have this kind of the, the state of description that Pharaoh's heart was hardened, we certainly read that as the case that Pharaoh was the cause of that because we're told expressly that Pharaoh hardened his own heart in 934, which is one verse previously, right? So just because something is in this stative or descriptive sense doesn't mean that we don't know who the agent is from prior contexts uh, or that it necessarily you know, has to be a certain agent, okay? <clears throat> we then also so so let me let me now go back to the first two instances of God's heart being hardened. Okay. The first mentions that we have of Pharaoh's heart is God promising that he will harden Pharaoh's heart in the active voice. He will do it so that the outcome of not letting the people go will be achieved so that he can uh, he, that he can display his wonders right those are the first two things we have god promising that he will harden pharaoh's heart okay when we get to so then when we get to 713 and 22 the natural reading of this because we haven't had any description of pharaoh hardening his own heart the natural reading of this is that God is fulfilling his promise that he will harden Pharaoh's heart, right? That's the prior agent stating that they're going to do the action. Okay, now I'm going to throw a bone to my non-Calvinists because exegetically, I just think that this is the case, but I'm going to start, after I do this, I'm going to start showing why I don't think any of this matters. I mean, not why it doesn't matter exegetically, not why it's not important, but why it doesn't actually matter to show their case that they think that it shows. Okay. When we get to back to 934, 35, 10, 1 through 2, right, we get to that whole section. We are told Pharaoh hardens his own heart. We're then given the stative example of the description that his heart was hardened. In the very next verse, God takes credit for having hardened Pharaoh's heart. Okay, so in 10, 1 through 2, we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and they that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what si signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. End quote. So God is expressly saying, when Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and then it's described that his heart was hardened, God says, I did that. I hardened his heart. It's not, I allowed Pharaoh to harden his own heart, just like I allow other things, right? God is taking credit that he brought it about, that he is the one who hardened it, active voice, okay? If you want to try, if, if the non-Calvinist wants to try to read this as some type of passive, well, he just kind of, allowed it to happen. How did that fulfill the accomplishment 
of saying that you may know these signs of mine among them that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians that you may know I am the Lord. How does a sinful king doing a sinful thing on their own nature, on their own will, doing their own thing, how does that give glory to God so that you know God is the one in control, the Lord of all things? In order for God's taking credit to entail the glory of Yahweh, the glory of God over the Egyptians for his harsh treatment of them so that you know he is Lord, right? Because if Pharaoh's just doing what Pharaoh's going to do and Yahweh just says hands off, well, I mean, okay. But, you know, that, you could look at any nation and just be like, oh, okay. I mean, just any nation does whatever any nation does, right? The tie-in between these is God is bringing, the, he is actively bringing this about. He is doing something different. It is, it is not by kind of a providential passivity. It is not just by, you know, uh, kind of a, a sovereign hands-off, right? God is actively hardening the uh, hardening Pharaoh's heart. By the way, I, I, I should have stated at the very beginning, I, I, I'm well aware uh, of the questions about what it means to harden Pharaoh's heart. It almost certainly actually comes from the Egyptian context of heavying the heart, of making the heart heavy. In this context, it actually is not necessarily, um, it doesn't necessarily mean strengthening the resolve, although, although that is certainly the means by which this happens. But the hardening of the heart is actually the heavying of the heart. It, it was this idea in, in, uh, in, in Egyptian, it's a polemic against the Egyptians, uh, again, that, that, a, that a guilty heart was made heavy by its sin, by its iniquity, when placed on the scale against the feather of truth. Okay. Uh, for more on this, you can see John Curry and another in his book Against the Gods uh, and some other works on this, uh, showing demonstrating this. But but here um, he he is heavying the heart of Pharaoh. Now surely that's brought about by the strengthening of Pharaoh's resolve. That, that I mean, th th there's just no question about that. But here it almost certainly is referring to the guiltifying, almost the making it more guilty. Right. So what God is taking credit for is the making Pharaoh's heart more guilty. But we see that Pharaoh did it himself. But God takes credit as the active agent who brought it about, right? This just is compatibilism, right? This just is God had determined the outcome that, that Pharaoh would deny and not let the people go against the express command of God but the Pharaoh would do it of his own accord. Now, if you read that back to those first two ambiguous cases, right? The 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 in in seven thirteen and seven twenty two, where just it, it's a state of description about the the condition of Pharaoh's heart being hardened, following the promises of God that He will harden His Pharaoh's heart, and in retrospect, looking back from where God takes credit for hardening His Pharaoh's heart, even though Pharaoh was the means, even though Pharaoh you know was the mechanism to harden his own heart. Going back to these ones, it doesn't matter, right? Do you see that it doesn't matter if we say, fine, even in these first two cases in 713, 722, where, where we have the description that Pharaoh's heart was hardened, sure, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Great. We're expressly told <laughs> that God takes credit for the hardening of this Pharaoh's heart. And so, so what that means is actually in these descriptions— the ultimate cause of all of them is Yahweh hardening the Pharaoh, hardening Pharaoh's heart. Now, there may be in in providence in the working out there may be times where 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 God was the ultimate cause and Pharaoh was the means. Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and there may be times where. God, where Yahweh was the mean, Yahweh directly, you know, uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart, not by the means of Pharaoh, right? 
May it, that that could be the case. In fact, that that is likely the case. Otherwise, the these differences between Pharaoh hardened his own heart and the express cases where the Lord hardened his heart, kind of kind of may lose their 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 distinction between the same two. Um, although you could read them, if you know, as a compatibilist, you could read them that they're interchangeable. That they just both are the case that that God causally brought about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, and uh, and Pharaoh uh, was free to harden his own heart, right? Those could just be entirely interchangeable, and that that uh, progression from thirty nine thirty four nine thirty five to ten one through two just demonstrates that that is entirely uh, possibly the case. Now, so I, th- I I think that I've shown in these verses, it doesn't actually matter who hardened uh, their heart first uh, when it comes to the exegetical question because you, biblical compatibilism just rolls out uh, of these because uh, because you, you have the example where we're expressly told Pharaoh hardened his own heart and God takes credit for the hardening of his own heart so that we will know that he is Lord expressly, uh, causally, uh, with the result that, right? Now, the, the reason why this comes up so much is because we are told that <clears throat> somehow, some way, this is libertarian freedom preserving. And, and, and because libertarian freedom is an incompatibilist position, and I've, and I've covered this uh, at length before, um, so people listening to this should, should you know, if you, if you haven't listened to my past episodes on this, listen to that. If you haven't listened to my debate with Dan Chapa, go to the YouTube channel, you can find that. But the, the incompatibilist view is going to say, well, if God has determined something and caused our will to do something, we cannot be morally responsible for it. We cannot be held responsible. That determining cause is incompatible with our freedom that's necessary for moral responsibility. Okay. So I... So and so they'll say, okay, well, well, with Pharaoh, well, Pharaoh hardened his own heart, and so God was just in um, in it's called judicial hardening. God was just in 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 acting in judgment to further harden uh, Pharaoh's heart uh, and and punish him because he had already hardened his heart. Now, I'm going to go through a section of my opening statement with Dan. It's going to be largely the, the same as the opening statement, so I'm sorry if that's that, that's repetitive. But for those of you who haven't seen it, and I think it's relevant to this, um, that's why we're going to go through it. So in, in the Exodus cycle in, 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 in Egypt, or, or, sorry, in, Exodus, in, in the Egyptian cycle, in the, in the Pharaoh cycle, which we've just walked through, right? We're told repeatedly that God will or does harden the heart of Pharaoh, right? We just, we just saw that, right? However, um, when, when we, uh, well, okay, for the, for the sake of the argument, l- let's just grant, like I've said, the, the non-reformed reading that Pharaoh hardens his own, harm, his own, his own heart first, right? Because, I, I, because w- w- I'll show why it doesn't really matter. Now, like, like I think I've already shown, I don't think that it really matters who hardens it first because I think it's showing compatibilistically uh, that 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 God is hardening and Pharaoh is hardening and they are both um, kind of uh, convergent causes uh, for that and that 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 is okay now one of these one of these examples by the way uh, is um, uh, is is in, in in Exodus 7 where we see the first command to let the people go now, if Pharaoh's heart is hardened, if God did it, that means that Pharaoh wouldn't have the ability to do otherwise. If Pharaoh did it, that may be a case of what's called will setting. But then Pharaoh wouldn't be able to do otherwise for that specific command. That's a new command. Um, so it, it's unclear how, given the non-reform view, he would be responsible and punishable for not keeping that command. Because on either case, whether it's by whether he had no categorical ability to do otherwise, or by will setting, and so he had no categorical ability to do otherwise, that was a new command. 
that he wasn't able to do. So, so kind of out goes the 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 um, that that kind of old maxim of uh, if if you ought, then you can. Because in this case, whether the non-Calvinist or the Calvinist reading holds, this is a new command that Pharaoh ought to have kept, but on no account could he have kept it. So that's one thing. I also think that because we have this, uh, the preemptive, the double promises of God that he will harden Pharaoh's heart, even though the, the, so those first two state of examples are ambiguous, even though you could read it, given what we said previously, where Pharaoh is the means that God hardens his own, his heart, Right. I think the reason why it's, you know, just just textually, literarily, the reason why it's left ambiguous is because you're supposed to connect the, the dots to the prior commands. Right. God has promised twice that he will. Right? He promised in 421 that he'll harden Pharaoh's heart. He reiterates that promise in 7.3 in the same chapter, just a few verses before the command that he will harden Pharaoh's heart. And then we get this ambiguous statement the state of statement that, that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Again, we could kind of go through all these, uh, again, going to, to, to chapter 9 uh, and say, okay, well, well, God can take credit for it, and Pharaoh could be the means by, you know, Pharaoh could harden his own heart, but God takes credit for hardening his heart, right? That's still compatibilism. And and so therefore, in this first case in 713 and, you know, and the other one in 722, Pharaoh could be hardening his own heart. It's just not expressly stated. That's fine. But literarily, the author is clearly intending you to connect this to God's promise that he is the one that's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So I think the emphasis, at least in these first two ambiguous cases or stative or descriptive cases, is that God is the one that's doing it. Right? That's the takeaway. Okay. So, but, but, but even if, right, let's just put a pin in all that. Even if, Pharaoh hardened his own heart first. And we don't we don't see all this compatibilism. Let's just kind of put all that to the side. Even if Pharaoh hardened his own heart first, so God's hardening uh, later is retributive or judicial, it doesn't seem to matter. Why? Because we're told expressly that God gave Pharaoh that new command to let the people go. Then God will harden his heart so that, that is the cause, the, the, the outcome, the purpose, the telos of this, is that Pharaoh will not let the people go. Why? So God can judge him and display his wonders. So even if Pharaoh hardened his own heart first in another context, in the context of seven and nine, we know that God gave him the command, then caused him, whether as the ultimate cause or as the direct cause, to not be able to keep that command. And by the way, this is reiterated again. This happens again in chapter 10 and chapter 11 and chapter 14, right? where God gives the command and then is either the ultimate cause or expressly in 9, 10, 20, 10, 27, 11, and chapter 14, the direct cause is God. The Lord caused it. That, that, that he, so he's given a command and then we're told that the Lord is the ultimate cause or the cause that he cannot, he is not able to keep that command in some way, whether by will setting or by, by, by lack of categorical ability because of, again, because of will setting or because of God's direct action. And yet God is directly judging him for it. In fact, God hardens him so that he can judge him. Okay. But we can make this case even stronger. Let's assume, uh, let's assume something like will setting, right? Let's just grant that all of these cases uh, are, are judicial hardening and, and, and God is the ultimate cause, but Pharaoh is the direct cause. And, and, and because Pharaoh hardens his, first, his heart first, he engages in will setting so that, he, so that he won't let them go in the future. He'll harden his heart in the future, right? 
let, let's assume that's the case. Let's assume that it's something like drunk driving. So, so maybe Pharaoh, his initial, uh, you know, obstinacy was like getting drunk the first time. He set his will uh, so that later, in, in later cases, he won't be able to do otherwise. He hardened his own heart, and then God judicially hardens his heart so that he can judge him. Um, but Pharaoh is still, remember, he's still directly responsible because he set the initial condition. For example, it's like drunk driving, right? It's that, it's that drunk driving example of getting drunk so that you have you can't properly control your vehicle. You can't properly make decisions later. You're completely inebriated, but you kill someone. You're still responsible for their deaths. You're still responsible for vehicular manslaughter because you chose the initial conditions where you could have done otherwise in, in that sense, right? So we're here, here we're granting the libertarian argument for the sake of argument, okay? Here the problem is that God would have then given him a command knowing that Pharaoh couldn't have kept it because he has already hardened his heart. Again, we're assuming this for the sake of argument, that, that, that Pharaoh, we're, we're assuming that Pharaoh hardened his heart first, right? We're assuming that for the sake of argument. I've already shown that not only is that likely not the case, but even if it is the case, it, it still isn't relevant because it still entails compatibilism. But even if we take that for the sake of argument and we assume that he did it first and libertarian incompatibilism is true, God is still giving him commands throughout the Exodus cycle where Pharaoh could not keep them because he's already hardened his heart. He's already will set. So God would be commanding him to do what he knew Pharaoh could not do and then hardening him further so that he wouldn't be able to do the thing that he apparently already couldn't do. In fact, it makes it even worse in a sense. Right, so imagine that you ran a red light, right? And imagine that you did it because you already chose to finish watching your movie so that you were late for work. You didn't realize how late you were work, so therefore you set your will so that you were you you know you were gonna you were gonna red run the red light. You set your will, uh, so so you were gonna red the, run the red light. Okay, you transgressed that law because you made a previous responsible decision before. Again, I'm all this for the sake of argument, granting libertarian for the sake of argument. You transgressed the law. You ran, ran the red, you broke the red light. Now, the government, then because you transgressed the law, they then causally determine you. They, they, they harden you. They judicially harden you by some, they have some mechanism, judicial harden you to rob a liquor store. And and we're told in in their in their in their ticket in their constitutional whatever in their ticket their law however the thought experiment plays out that the reason why they did it was so that they could judge you for both crimes and not only that you're then told that somehow in some way the government actually puts you in the position to want to watch the movie so that you would be late, so that your will would be set, so that you'd run the red light, so that they could hard you, so that you could rob the liquor store, so that they could judge you and execute wrath on you. They put you in that place somehow to watch that movie late so that they could harden you and not have mercy on you and judge you and display their wrath and their wonders. How in the libertarian loving world does that resolve the issue? There's no way that resolves the issue. Right? Because that, that still is something happened prior, <laughs> they put you in there. They raised you up to want to watch that movie so that you would freely watch that movie and, and will set so that you would, uh, so that you would run the red light so that they could then harden you so that they could then judge you for both crimes so that they could execute their wrath so that their name could be made great. But they causally acted first. <laughs> They, they put you in that place so that all that would happen. 
right? That that just is compatibilism, right? If 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 we're affirming libertarian freedom, that doesn't solve it. If you assume compatibilism, there's no issue. Okay. Um, one one more thing that we could we could look at in all of this very very quickly, and it will be very quickly, so I can so I can wrap this up. Is if we look at a, if we look at another, there are lots of examples of these, but if we look at another example, in Joshua eleven, right? Let me go to Joshua eleven sixteen to twenty. This is during the conquest, right? Uh, so we read this. So Joshua took all the land, the hill country and all the Negev and all the land of Goshen, the lowland, the Arabah, the hill country of Israel and its lowland from Mount Halak that raises from Seir, even as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon at the foot of Mount Hermon. And he captured all the kings and struck them and put them to death. Joshua waged war a long time with all these kings. There was not a city which made peace with the sons of Israel except the Hivites living in Gibeon. They took them all in battle. For, this is why they took them all in battle. For, it was of the Lord to harden their hearts. Of the Lord. Why were their hearts hardened? Of the Lord. The Lord is the cause here expressly. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, this is all those nations that are going against them, to meet Israel in battle in order that he might utterly destroy them, that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them just as the Lord commanded Moses. Notice here that the Lord, it is of the Lord that their hearts were hardened so that they would go to battle for the purpose that he could show them no mercy and destroy them, right? God worked to harden their hearts, whether, it's not, whether or not it's by the means of their own wickedness, of their own desires, whatever it is, God, we are told, is the express cause. It is of the Lord, to harden their hearts so that he might show them that they might receive no mercy, that he might destroy them. Again, when, when people say things like, oh, well, he hardened his own heart, it doesn't really matter because we're told expressly and repeatedly that the Lord, God is the one who hardens their hearts. He is the ultimate cause of hardening their hearts. He is the reason why their hearts are hardened. Again, it may, it may be by the means of their own wickedness, by the means of their own will setting. That's fine. But you cannot escape the fact. You cannot wriggle out by saying, oh, well, he just, he just passively allows it. He just is hands off. He, he, this, this is a knowledge. He knows that it's going to happen. All right, we get this a lot. You Calvinists, you confuse knowledge with causation. This passage does not say that God knows it. Now, surely he knows it because he knows what he does. This passage expressly says that God did it. It is of the Lord. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's not the Lord knew Pharaoh would harden his own heart. The Lord hardened his heart. Why? Well, Again, we are, we are expressly told why. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very reason I raised you up, in order to demonstrate my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed throughout the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. This is this is. This is all this is all for the glory of the Lord. This is this is for the Lord's doing. This is this is of the Lord. We're expressly told. Right? Okay. I hope that's helpful. 
I, I'm sure we'll get a lot of responses, but I hope it was thought provoking at least for for all sides because I think all sides just make uh, not the best arguments and they don't make the best exegetical arguments here. So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, con- condemnations, or commendations, please feel free to email me at freedthinkerpodcast at gmail.com. Visit the blog at freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com. Head on over to the Freed Thinker on YouTube to check out some more material and, and directly related to apologetics and some other issues. Or why not join in the discussion and join the Freed Thinker group page on Facebook. Thank you again for joining. Good night and God bless.